the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Right and wrong's in us. And so to, to go against that, we have to suppress the truth that, that's in us. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because our culture, in case you haven't noticed, is throwing truth out the window and throwing right and wrong out the window and absolutes out the window and calling good evil and evil good and putting darkness for light and light for darkness. And to do that, the Bible says people have to suppress the truth that God has written in their heart. Have you ever been through a hall of mirrors at an amusement park or county fair? Which direction do you go? Left or right? Straight ahead or backward? Well, Pastor Dan shares that in you is the God-given ability to know which direction to go and to do the right thing. But we are living in a hall of mirrors, and that can confuse you and distort the true path to take. So yes, you can get off track and have difficulty knowing how to navigate this world, but God is always wanting to show you the way. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 44 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. We're going to be back in the book of Genesis, Genesis 44, beginning in verse 1. It says, And he, Joseph, commanded the steward of, the, of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Also put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, and his grain money, So he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. And as soon as the morning dawned, the men were sent away, they and their donkeys. And when they had gone out of the city and were not yet far off, Joseph said to his steward, get up, follow the men. And when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and with which he indeed practices divination? You have done evil in so doing. And so he overtook them and he spoke to them these same words. And they said to him, why does my Lord say these words? Far be it from us that your servants should do such a thing. Look, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die. And we also will be my Lord's slaves. And he said, now also let it be according to your words. Be with he with whom it is found shall be my slave and you shall be blameless. Then each man speedily let down his sack to the ground and each opened his sack. And so he searched. He began with the oldest and left off with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. 
Then they tore their clothes and each man loaded his donkey and returned to the city. And so Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house and he was still there and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said to them, what deed is this you have done? Did you not know that such a man as I can certainly practice divination? And then Judah said, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Here, here we are, my Lord's slaves, both we and he also with whom the cup was found. But he said, far be it from me that I should do so. The man in whose hand the cup was found, he shall be my slave. And as for you, go in peace to your father. And then Judah came near to him and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing. And do not let your anger burn against your servant, for you are even like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then he said to your servants, then, then you said to your servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. And so it was when we went up to your servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord and our father said, go back and buy us a little food. But we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face unless our, unless our youngest brother is with us. And then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. And the one went out from me. And I said, surely he is torn in pieces. And I have not seen him since. But if you take this one also from me and calamity befalls him, you shall bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And so your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? Lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father. Lord, we thank you for the story of Joseph and your sovereignty in his life and the way that you uh, have orchestrated things in his life, Lord, and the way that you orchestrate things in our lives. And Lord, we pray and ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. And Lord, that you would speak to each of us. Lord, I pray and ask that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in chapter 44, Joseph gives his brothers one final test. Then chapter 45 is the big reveal. When Joseph finally reveals his identity to his brothers. 
And the reason Joseph tests his brothers is to see if they have changed. Are they the same guys that sold him into slavery 22 years before? Or have they changed? At this point, uh, all 11 of Joseph's brothers were were in Egypt. They went down to Egypt a second time to buy more food. Uh, They were invited to a lunch at the palace of Joseph. But remember, they don't know it's their brother Joseph to to them. Joseph is is just some high-ranking Egyptian official. Um, and, And now it's time for them to depart and return home to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob, and to their families. Uh, Before they depart, though, Joseph commands his steward in verse 1, telling his steward to fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry. Not as much food as they can afford to buy with their money, but as much food as they can carry. And for the sons of Jacob, I'm sure the, the large quantity of grain that was loaded on their donkeys seemed strange to them. You know, grain, grain must be on sale this week, I guess. We're getting so much grain for so little money here. And, and then Joseph told his steward to put their money back in their sacks, just like the first time, to hide the money back in their sacks. And then look at verse 2. Joseph says, Also, put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, and his grain money. And so he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken to him. So this, he said, put my silver cup in the sack of the youngest one. Now the silver cup, it wasn't just any cup. High-ranking government officials in Egypt had a, a silver cup, a special silver cup that was a symbol of their authority and a symbol of their position And in pagan cultures like Egypt, that silver cup was used for divination, as we're going to see referenced later in the passage. It it, it was used in in pagan culture to to attempt to determine the future and making a decision and and that kind of thing. Uh, So Joseph told his steward to hide his special silver cup, the symbol of his authority and position and power, in the bag of the youngest brother. And the youngest brother, of course, is, is Benjamin. Remember in chapter 43, uh, Jacob was hesitant to send his son Benjamin down to Egypt. He didn't want to send Benjamin because he feared something might happened, happen to Benjamin. And he already believes Joseph is dead, his only other son from his marriage to, to, to Rachel. But the brothers were told they couldn't return back to Egypt to buy more grain without Benjamin. So Jacob reluctantly sent Benjamin down to Egypt. So it says in verse three, as soon as the morning dawned, the men were sent away. They and and their donkeys at at dawn, the sons of Jacob, they leave. (laughs) They're out of there. They want to get out of town as fast as as possible. You think about this for the sons of Jacob. They, They went down to buy grain the first time and they were falsely accused of being spies by this Egyptian official. Simeon was arrested, put into prison, and things really went sideways for them on that first trip. They they were warned not to come back without their younger brother, Benny. And now, now they've come back the second time. Now they have Simeon with them again. They got Simeon out out of prison. They still have Benjamin 
with them. They've got grain for their families and they just want to get out of town as quickly as possible before something else goes goes wrong. And they leave at dawn. We're told they made it out of the city. You know, they're, they're, they're just trying to get to the border as fast as they can and get back into the land of Canaan. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now let's finish today's message. It says in verse 4, when they had gone out of the city and were not yet far off, Joseph said to his steward, get up, follow the men. And when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and with which he indeed practices divination? You have done evil and so doing. And so he overtook them. The steward overtook them and he spoke these to them, these same words. Again, Joseph is testing his brothers. It's a test. He's trying to determine if they have changed in the last 22 years. And so Joseph sends his steward after them and the steward, you know, stops them somewhere out on the interstate there on the way to Canaan. They get pulled over. And, and notice here that the steward is instructed to say to the men, why do you repay evil for good? Now, this was written almost 4,000 years ago, and it was written before the law of Moses was given to Moses. And it takes place in a pagan culture in, in, in Egypt. But even so, they had a concept of, of evil and good, right and wrong. They, they understood that it's wrong to repay evil for good. They understood that it was wrong when you're invited as a guest to someone's house for a meal to steal the silverware before you leave the house. That's just wrong. It's just wrong. There's an understanding of right and wrong. The Bible tells us that there is an understanding of right and wrong written on every person's heart. Romans chapter 2 says, even, even Gentiles, that is non-believers, people who don't know the Lord, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. Everyone has God's law written in their heart and instinctively know right from wrong. And our conscience, we're told there in Romans chapter 2, also tells us when we're doing right or when we're doing wrong. That's why stealing is wrong in, in any culture, whether it's a Judeo-Christian culture or whether it's a 
uh, has the Bible or not. Stealing is wrong. Because it's written in man's heart. It's on man's conscience. Romans also says to ignore the law of God written in our hearts or to ignore the conviction of our conscience. We have to, it says, we have to suppress the truth that's in us because the truth is in us. Right and wrong is in us. And so to to go against that, we have to suppress the truth that's in us. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because our culture, in case you haven't noticed, is throwing truth out the window and throwing Right and wrong out the window and absolutes out the window and calling good evil and evil good and putting darkness for light and light for darkness. And to do that, the Bible says people have to suppress the truth that God has written in their heart. They know they know better. They know right from wrong. But but to do that, they have to ignore their conscience that tells them that what's right and what's what's wrong. So look at verse seven now. So this steward catches up with them, stops them, says, why have you repaid evil for good? You took took his cup, his silver cup, his official cup. You took it as a souvenir. And they said to him, verse 7, why does my Lord say these words? Far be it from us that your servants should do such a thing. Look, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks. How then could we steal silver and gold from your Lord's house? Jacob's sons say, what are you talking about? We would steal his cup. We wouldn't do that. We've already demonstrated that we're honest by bringing back the money that we found in our sacks. We're not thieves. We didn't steal steal his cup. That's crazy. And the sons of Jacob are so confident of their innocence that in verse 9, they say, With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die. And we also will be my Lord's slaves. You know, whoever has the cup, you can put him to death. And the rest of us will become your your Lord's slaves. That's how confident they were. But they don't have the cup. Careful what you say. (laughs) And he said, verse 10, Now also let it be according to your words, He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and you shall be blameless. He says here, it's not going to be necessary to to kill anyone and enslave the rest of you. Whoever has the cup will be enslaved, and the rest of you will be blameless and free to go. Then each man speedily let down his sack to the ground, and each opened his sack. They quickly unloaded their sacks off their donkeys and Opened them up. And, you know, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this. We're searching our bags. And, and so the stewards searched their bags. And look what it says in verse 12. He began with the oldest and left off with the youngest. So the stewards searched their bags, beginning with the oldest. And he went in an age order. Again, this, this should have seemed odd to, to the brothers should have tipped them off that something more is going on here. How does he know the order? He searches all their bags from the oldest to the youngest. You know, so the suspense is building. He goes through the first bag, the second bag, third bag, so on. And he comes to Benjamin, the youngest. Of course, Benny didn't take the cup. But Benjamin's got the cup. The cup is in Benjamin's sack. Oh, Benny. Oh, no, Benny, how could you do this, Benny? You took the cup. 
But look at verse 13. Then they tore their clothes, a sign of mourning. Look what it says. And each man loaded his donkey and went home. It doesn't say that. It says they returned to the city. Remember, this whole thing was an elaborate test to determine if the brothers of Joseph have changed. The steward said, whoever has the cup will be enslaved, that one person, but the rest of you will be blameless and, and free to go. And when the cup was found in Benjamin's bag, the brothers did not say, well, Benny, too bad for you. And then just abandon him there and head, head on home and return home to Canaan because they were free to go. You know, when I was about 11 years old, uh, we were on a snow skiing trip. Uh, and I was skiing down the mountain, and I had this amazing wipeout uh, on, on the hill. And I injured my knee, and it, I later found out I tore ligaments in my knee. Uh, so I'm laying there on the slope, you know, in pain, injured, 11 years old, uh, and somebody stopped to help me, and a couple people stopped, and then an, they sent for ski patrol, and ski patrol comes out in the snowmobile with the little toboggan on the back of it kind of thing, and they... They load me into this toboggan to take me to the first aid center, and I'm in pain there. And as they're loading me into the toboggan, my older sister skis up and slows down and looks at me and sees me laying there in this toboggan and then skis away. She just kept on going and just abandoned me. And this was before the days of cell phones, right? So I'm in the first aid center, and they're making announcements. With the family of Dan Sexton, please report to the first, you know. And it took forever for my family to show up. Well, here, Joseph's brothers, they don't abandon Benjamin. Look what it says. They tore their clothes. They were grieved for their brother Benjamin. And it says they loaded their donkeys, and they returned to the city with their brother Benny. They passed the test. They passed the test. 22 years before this, when they sold their brother Joseph into slavery, they didn't think twice about it. In fact, it says they sat down and ate a meal. And they just abandoned him. Sold him into slavery. And then they went home. And, and so now, though, now... The brothers, they show concern. They show compassion for their brother Benny. And look at verse 14. So they go back to the city. Verse 14 says, so Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house. Now notice it says Judah and his brothers. Reuben was the oldest son. Reuben is the one as the oldest son, you know, as as the one in line to become the leader of the family. Reuben was the oldest son, but it doesn't say so Reuben and his brothers. It says Judah and his brothers. Judah steps forward now at this point as the family spokesman and Judah intercedes on behalf of his brother Benjamin and Judah acts as Benjamin's advocate before this Egyptian ruler which reminds us of another one from the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus has stepped forward to intercede 
for us, for you and for me. And he acts as our advocate with the Father in heaven. He asked me how I know, and I say, brings truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton as he teaches verse by verse through the book of Genesis. This Old Testament book of history and the start of what God created teaches you much about God's plan for the future. We hope you'll continue to tune in for Pastor Dan's studies. If you ever have any questions about what you've heard or would like someone to pray with, would you give us a call? You can reach us by calling 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. You can also fill out the prayer request form at calvaryec.com. Just click on the Connect tab to access it. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in Columbia, Maryland, please join us this weekend for worship and studying Scripture together at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. There'll be time to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ, too, and to spend time in prayer. We look forward to sharing this time of worship together with you. You'll find service times and directions at our website, calvaryec.com. While you're there, please be sure to check out additional teachings from the Bible. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Once more, that's calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. There's much more to gain through this study through the book of Genesis. So be sure to join us next time on Ring of Truth. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.